Hey, this is Daryl Kirk with Stand Up Paddle the World Radio, and my guests today are Blake Thornton and Victor Wickerhauser. And they are the record holders of the for the fastest stand-up paddleboarder in the MR340, a 340-mile endurance race that weaves through most of Missouri State. Now notice I said they. This grueling race is 340 miles long and there are several checkpoints along the way that you must reach on time. There's a lot of logistics. You've got food, water, communications, and safety. And oh, did I mention anything about sleep? Yeah, sure. Look, I think this rock, this race rocks because you need a real stoked and crack support team. And that's just what you have here with Blake and Victor. I met these guys in St. Louis a couple of years ago on the Merrimack River, and since then we have paddled all over the USA and Canada, and in some crazy places, like hundreds of feet underground in a, an abandoned sand mine in Missouri, through Deception Pass in Washington State, and downwinding in Porto Cove in Canada. Actually, the morning I met these guys, I met them on a meetup group at about 8 p.m., and lo and behold, at 5 a.m. the next day, they're all out there waiting for me with a board, paddle, and everything in the middle of nowhere in Missouri and in a wicked thunderstorm. But anyway, let's hear from Blake and Victor. Hey, man, what's up, guys? Thank, thanks hey, for that intro. Girl. That was really nice. You bet, man. You guys yeah. deserve it. <laughs> how did you get into racing, Blake? How did you first get into, or not racing, how did you guys get into getting on the water in the first place? I know you guys do a lot of paddling together. Well, we, we both had canoes several years ago and daughters that were the same age. So we started doing uh, canoe trips together and it worked out really well mm -hmm. with, the, with the girls. And, um, and, then, and then we learned about paddleboarding. Oh, that's great. That sounds just like you guys. How about you, Victor? Blake was the guy, yeah. well, Blake was the guy who got started on paddleboards uh, and I was much slower to pick it up, but uh, I really now prefer being on the water on a paddleboard uh, over a canoe. I'll, I'll take a canoe when I need to carry bunches of stuff or another person, but a paddleboard is the, the way to go for uh, just a, a quick run, little exercise, very oh. easy and fast. Oh, that's great. Okay. I got Boy, we've paddled together a lot, but you guys were, you were always in your canoe and Blake was on his paddleboard. So I'm glad, uh, glad you're joining us on the paddleboard end of it. That's great. <laughs> Man, and I guess when you first came out here and, and joined us on our 4 a.m. paddle on the Merrimack, uh, that was, uh, under those conditions, uh, I thought uh, a canoe was more appropriate for me because I really didn't want to get dunked. But you, Daryl, and, and Blake, you never seem to go into the water, so <laughs> hey, <laughs> no hey, reason for you to worry. Hey, listen here. I think canoe was the way to go because you were lower to the ground there was a good chance of us getting hit by lightning so you were a little bit lower we would have been higher <laughs> <laughs> that was a thrilling morning i remember oh my god hey so tell me about this mr340 tell the folks the mr3 340 i mean this is a grueling race and 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 i know when you chose victor as your support team, I knew this was just going to happen. I knew it was going to really be a good race. He would be my number one choice for sure. In fact, the, the, in fact, since you're doing this race again, Blake, with your father this year in a canoe, I dropped out. I'm not going to do it because I don't have you or Victor. So uh, that, I, I know I could rely on you guys. But anyway, tell me about the MR340. So I think the race has been running for about about 10 years, and um, 
You start in St. Charles, which is on the far western side of Missouri, and you go to, I'm sorry, you start in Kansas City on the far western side, and you go to St. Charles, which is on the far eastern side, and you just paddle across the whole state, and uh, there's a group of about 300 boats. And, uh, you know, I, you, hear, you hear about this, and it just sounds awesome. So I said, uh, I've got to do it, and I asked Victor if he would crew, and he, he said he had to do it, so, so we went from there. Um, yeah. That, that, so let me throw in that I think Blake did most of the thinking about the logistics here. Uh, he had a van, uh, which was very convenient for driving stuff around. And he got together all of the materials that you need on the paddleboard, like lights, uh, uh, containers, uh, dry bags, and so on. Got himself the right clothing, which is really crucial, I think, in this race. Uh, got together information about the checkpoints, uh, GPS tracks. Uh, generally, it worked out most of the details. And so for me, it was pretty easy. I just had to connect the dots. <laughs> And, and and stay up all night. You had to do that too. Well, I think. yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that must have been crazy. You know, just you know, Victor following you around. You know, through all these little, little towns. I mean, these rivers and roads don't meet up, do they? Yeah, not that often. Uh, the problem is that a lot of it goes through very rural parts of Missouri, where there aren't too many accesses to the river, and there aren't too many towns where you might be able to buy supplies, like for example, ice. Oh, God. Uh, the race takes place. <laughs> yeah, in eighty because in eighty degree weather or yeah, well, well ninety five degree weather. Yeah, ninety five. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're on the river, but you're exposed to the sun for yeah, maybe sixteen hours a day. So it definitely takes some some cooling fluids to keep you going. Uh, so getting that was occasionally a challenge, uh, but the uh, I think it was worked out pretty well. We had a planning meeting, Blake and I, uh, beforehand, and we talked about some of the details, and he laid his hands on a couple of water jugs, which I would refill with ice and water, and we'd swap them out very, very quickly at the pit stops along the way. And then uh, it turned out to be pretty easy to get food because you can get uh, <laughs> picnic-type food at some of the checkpoints. And then uh, the main problem, as Blake pointed out, is uh, that you pointed out, is that uh, you don't sleep very much on this uh, on this race. I mean, anybody who wants to make a good time has got to paddle through the night and just catch a few winks uh, uh, along the way. You know, so let's let's focus on that because safety is my next question and you know when you're getting little sleep like both of you are i mean you're driving around without any sleep you got blake you know out there and uh you, you know you're scurrying around looking for stuff and food even what tell us about the sleep i think that's one of the biggest challenges to the mr340 and several of these other long distance races that you guys have around you know the midwest and other areas but talk about that whole sleep quotient on this thing so i'll, I'll start yeah. with that the um there was really three nights there's the night before the race where um i, I got very poor sleep because i was so uh nervous about the whole race and then the, the first night of the sleep uh, of the race, um, I think I pulled off the river around um, midnight or 1 a.m. We got hit by a thunderstorm and um, I tried to sleep in the van um, and we got back on the river at about 6 a.m. 
I, I figure I got a, a few good hours of sleep, but not many. And then uh, the next night, I stayed on the river till about 2 a.m. No, I can't even remember. I think it was about 2 a.m., and I, I pulled back on the river about 6 a.m. Maybe it was 4 to 6, but I didn't get very much sleep that night either. The, uh, the safety plan was, um, was I wore an inflatable uh, waste pack um, uh, PFD in the day, and then at night, I wore my, uh, my regular um, PFD. And uh, I felt I felt fine. I didn't feel unsafe, um, and that, that seemed okay for me. Oh, good. That's a, yeah. That's a good plan. You know, at night having that big PFD on. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I mean, it, you know, we know all the inherent dangers along the Missouri River. You know, and um, a lot of different dangers. And then at night, and you know, fishermen. Yeah, you know, so we had barges, we had uh, uh, recreational boaters, we have um, whirlpools, um, <laughs> wing dikes, um, bridges, <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, if you're sleeping, you could easily, oh, uh, buoys, yeah, if you're sleeping or, or nodding off, you could easily hit something at night. Um, oh man, those buoys too, those red buoys, those marker buoys look like a darn World War II uh, mine or something, you know. It, it, Gosh. And they come, they come up fast. You, you, you don't yeah. realize how fast you're going until <laughs> till you fly by one of those. Oh, my God. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, and the wing dams, I mean, boy, that's something people need to be looking out for wherever they paddle if they're on a river. Those wing dams are, are really dangerous. Talk about those. Well, they, um, so they, they've put these uh, barriers of rock jetting out into the water to keep the, uh, the flow moving. And um, and so if if the water level's right, some of the water just flows barely over it, and you could easily you could easily hit one. Or what's more common is you get caught in the back current because you, you're not going in the right direction, so you're caught in a, a, an area of less current. Um, once you get the hang of it, no big deal. But um, but yeah, if you're nodding off or not paying attention, you could easily get get thrown off by one of those. Oh boy, yeah. Well, what about you, Victor? Here you are driving around looking for food without sleep in a, you know, a, a big old bomb of a van. You know, what, what kind of dangers were you looking out for? Well, uh, there's usually enough time for cat naps and stuff like that because uh, you do drive along the roads faster than the boat makes it down the Missouri River. So I'd usually arrive at a, uh, a checkpoint maybe a couple hours before Blake did. So I would simply catch a cat nap in the van. And then when Blake got close, we had walkie talkies and he would uh, uh, turn his on and notify me. Then there'd be a crackle on mine and I'd wake up and go down with the water and the food and whatever else he needed. And that was fine. I think I had it quite easy. In fact, uh, the only time things got a little bit dicey were when was when, um, uh, I was expecting Blake at a, a checkpoint, and he didn't show up because he had uh, decided to pull off and take a nap. <laughs> so I thought, holy smokes, what's going on? And, oh, and actually drove back to the previous checkpoint to try to find him. Oh, man. And, uh, then, <laughs> then we found out that he'd, in fact, made it just fine. <laughs> and by nap, Victor means uh, this was in the middle of the night. So uh, I, I think yeah. I pulled over at, at four, and um, and and he so he was screaming back to try to find me in the middle of the night, uh, 
avoiding the deer and half a half asleep probably. Oh geez, um, that could have been a real critical. That could have yeah. been real critical too, where you might have missed one of your checkpoints, uh, or or was it? How did that affect your well, time? Well, right. In so then, right. So I got on. I got on the river. He showed up. I had already left. So he had to go screaming back to to meet me at the checkpoint. Um, yep. Yep. So, so so yeah, it is. It's we could have missed each other, but 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 we we didn't. <laughs> oh man, that yep. yep. yeah, that's great. Wow. Well, good that that worked <laughs> out. Jeez. We did have a. a additional checkpoints, places on the river where there are accesses that do not have an official route from the MR340 administration going. And we would we would uh, try to spot each other at all of those so that we stayed in contact. Because the problem is that uh, you cannot use a cell phone everywhere on this river. There simply isn't a signal everywhere. And so a lot of it is just uh, dead reckoning, if you wish. I expected Blake to show up at a certain time There'd be a window of maybe half an hour or an hour within which I'd expect him. And I'd be there to at least see him float by, or if he needed to stop, then uh, we could resupply him. And so uh, the trickiest part of the race is when, say, that window comes and goes and you don't spot him because something happened along the way. He stopped at some other intermediate checkpoint or something else went wrong. So the the administrators of the MR340 have a bunch of safety boats that they patrol the river with. Uh, especially at night, and they're pretty good about finding people in trouble and so on. I had faith in them, but uh, the rest of it was just you know getting to the checkpoint on time, having the supplies, having found the right uh, store in some little town in the middle of Missouri, uh, and then sitting around drinking beer until Blake shows up. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's just wonderful, man. I I mean. This is great. You guys in this stand-up paddleboard, uh, you know, the, the stand-up paddle, that was kind of hairy to begin with when they first started this. And, and Shane Perrin, one of your great battlers out there, does a lot of long-distance stuff. Uh, yep. I, you know, it's, it's a big deal. And um, you, But you're the record holder now. You guys are the record holders of the subclass. And talk about that, Blake. I mean, this is some kind of some encouragement to other folks on a stand-up paddleboard or other people who want to do this race, talk about your career. You know, you've got kind of an interesting uh, sup racing career here. Yeah. So in the fall of uh, 2014, I decided to try a, a race or two, and um, we have several local kayak races on the Missouri River, um, and and very few paddleboarders do them. Um, so I started with the 30 miler in uh, Jefferson City, and uh, you know, I came in dead last, and, and then. Um, and then in the spring of 2015, uh, so several months before the MR340, um, there's a uh, race from Kansas City to the first checkpoint, about 50 miles. And, you know, I set a, I set a course record for the longest time on the water for that. And, you know, it was just... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was just a discouraging racing time. And so I, I went into the MR340 just... I just wanted to make the checkpoints. I didn't want to be kicked out of the race because I missed a checkpoint. So... Um, so, so to be able to, you know, ha- muscle it out and, and get the record was just beyond anything I thought was even possible. Um, and I, so, yeah, I'm just, I was just ecstatic about it. It's, um, it's unbelievable. And I still, it's still crazy to think about it now. You know, but, and, and like I've been telling you before, when you came across the finish line, I mean, it's like, 
you know, luck and preparedness. I mean, you were you you've been so prepared. I know you put you guys put a lot into this, and that that luck and preparedness really just uh, you know put you put you on uh, for this record. And you know, I'm out here in Seattle now, where we have the Seahawks, and you know they have some incredible wins. And it's like you know, it's luck and preparedness again. And uh, so, great job well, I, to you guys. And I'll say another thing too: uh, willpower. Um, you know, I, th- there was lots of times I was on that board, and it was hard to stand up. Oh wow! Uh, you know, it's uh, willpower is a, a big piece. Oh boy, that that's really great. Talk more about willpower. I mean, what did you do to prepare yourself for that? You know, part of the race, the willpower. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I just know on day on day three of the race, my legs were giving out, and it was just a matter of. Uh, getting down the river and you just had to will through it. Um, but you know, this year, um, the 2015 MR340 started with, uh, three paddle boarders. And, um, so me, uh, John Straub and another paddle boarder, the third one, uh, he didn't finish. He dropped out after the first day. Um, the second one, John Straub, that, this guy's an amazing athlete. He, he told me he spent the, the, the um, the better part of the second and third days just throwing up on his board. And this guy just willed himself through. So I, I, I think I think willpower plays a, a big part. You're, you're going to hurt, um, and you just have to push through it. What did you do to facilitate that, Victor? How did you help facilitate the willpower here or, or something else here with on this actual gruelingness, you know, that, that Blake's seeing on the board? Well, I don't know that you can practice to develop willpower, but uh, I was <clears throat> just there to make sure that uh, if Blake needed anything, he had it, uh, and <clears throat> it was entirely up to him <clears throat> to keep on going to get back on the river. I noticed, though, that uh, as Blake <clears throat> saw his times were pretty good and that uh, he was ahead of the other guy, and I had a chance of making the record that his uh, willpower seemed to increase along with that. <laughs> that, that, that certainly that certainly made a big difference. That's great. <laughs> and uh, you also pointed out that uh, luck plays a role. So I have to say that the first night there was a big thunderstorm that rolled through uh, just about just a little bit after Blake had pulled off the river around midnight and was planning to spend maybe an hour or two sleeping. So we were in the van, uh, woke up to this thunderstorm going on uh, inside this nice solid van. Uh, And I consider that a piece of luck because people who were outside, even in tents, uh, got the worst of it. And the people who had pushed on and were on the river or who hadn't made it to that checkpoint and were still on the river, some of them got clobbered really badly. Nobody was hurt, but... Lots of people showed up around dawn, drenched and exhausted and miserable. And I think a lot of those people dropped out. But having uh, somehow dodged that bullet made a big difference, I think. It, it made the rest of the race. It, it didn't leave this, uh, this wound, if you wish, from which you had to recover for the rest of the race. So that definitely was a piece of luck that helped out. Oh, that's great. You know, we're talking a, a real danger and a real demoralizing event there, you know, being off the water at that time. That's that's really good. 
You know, a second yeah. a second piece was the, um, the day one was one of the hottest days um, that they've ever had on the MR340. It was was it 100 degrees, Victor? Uh, I think it was. Yeah. Right, so um, people were know, really complaining about it. People yeah. were really complaining about it, and uh, you know, I just kept hydrating. I knew I knew I was I needed to hydrate more because I wasn't I wasn't peeing enough, but I just kept hydrating, splashing water on me, and I just single-mindedly wanted to get to that checkpoint and 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 not be uh, not be dropped out of the race because of it. Um, but I yeah, it, it it made a big difference for a lot of racers. Oh boy, you talk about hundred degrees. Hey, by the way, tell people about the the uh, the humidity out there. I mean, that must have been like a hundred and thirty <laughs> degrees with the humidity you guys have out there. The humidity out here is unbelievable. You, you can't, uh, you know, n nobody nobody in Phoenix is going to trade uh, their hundred and twenty degrees for our humidity any day. You know, that's not a that's not a good trade for them. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. You wake up at six a.m. the next day after a hot day. And at 5 or 6 a.m., you're already hot and sweaty. And you're saying, dude, it's it's only 5 a.m. The sun hasn't even come up hardly. <laughs> so, That's right. That's oh right. The humidity is out of control. Well, so check this out. So the mentalness, you know, the mental toughness, the preparedness. But uh, I, I think a lot of listeners and people have ideas on nutrition. I mean, what are you doing? You, I mean, you're burning a lot of calories out there. What are you doing for your nutrition? So we had lots of lots of ideas. We um, what ended up working well was uh, Victor would buy uh, buy some food at the stand or a Subway sandwich or or any sort of normal food. We we didn't go we didn't go with any any fancy sports gels or anything like that. We just did normal food, and um, and I, I when we when I saw Victor, he gave me a, a load of food. I sat down on my board and floated off and ate my food, hopped back up and started paddling. And, and, and that's, that's the basic story. I had some snacks along the way. I had bars if I got hungry. But m mostly I just, um, I just ate what Victor gave me. And if, I, if, if it wasn't enough, I would have said, hey, man, it's not enough. And he would have brought me more at the next stop. For, um, for hydration, I, I drank water and I, dr and I ate um, N-U-N, -U none tablets. Oh, um, yeah. That's our guys out here in Seattle. Really good yeah, company. And, and those yeah. are great. I didn't add them to my water. I just ate them. And, oh, uh, gosh. <laughs> I just ate one every once in a while. And, oh, and man. I thought it, and, I, and I still felt good. So, so I thought that worked pretty well. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We'll have to uh, tell the people at none we've got... Uh, We've got Rennick Woods is a good friend of ours out here, a real strong paddler, our, one of our fastest racers. He works for none. Well, I can't wait to tell him about that one. You, we might be on to something here. <laughs> it worked well, I think. Um, everybody should try that. Okay, so I no noticed. no special foods. What? Uh, here you are, the world, you know, the record holder of the MR380, 340 in the stand-up. What Subway sandwich did you eat? What's the secret? Which... Uh, <laughs> Victor will have to talk to, to him. I thought, um, but I will say that um, the food I ate on the MR340 was some of the best food I've ever eaten in my life. <laughs> oh, I bet. <laughs> it tasted yeah, so good. That's, that's, you know, there's this saying, hunger is the best sauce. So I, I figured Blake uh, was going to go for anything that had enough calories in it. And so I basically went with uh, various kinds of barbecue, uh, steak and cheese sandwiches. Uh, he actually put in some requests. I think no tuna was one of your requests. Okay. Like 
<laughs> but uh, basically, I would just get whatever kind of uh, very caloric food uh, I used to enjoy eating after camping trips. So, uh, and they went down really well because I'd get a, a report from Blake at the next checkpoint, something like, oh man, those ribs were terrific last time. So, <laughs> And what helped was that at the checkpoints, they would have uh, people selling barbecue, uh, people like Boy Scouts, for example. Oh, wow. Also, uh, one other thing is that in rural Missouri at that time of the year, you could get fresh peaches. So I picked up a peck of peaches. The peaches were awesome. Them, but <laughs> wow, nice. <laughs> so, you know, we could wing it a little bit and just pick out what was available. Wow, that's great. <laughs> okay. Did say in the MR340 prep that that people need to eat when they're on the river because they don't realize how cold they can get, especially at night and how much energy they're using. So uh, just a general principle, have lots of good caloric food available and uh, keep eating. So 100 degrees in the day, what was it cooling down to at night? Mm. It could get into the 60s at night. Wow. And I think, uh, so you have to be prepared. If you were going to spend the night on a bank, you needed to have something to shelter in. Oh, boy, good to know. Okay. Well, hey, how about some tips? Let's uh, reach out to the audience here. What tips can you give uh, on preparing for the MR340? My, my main tip would be to get out and, um, get out and paddle some long distances. Um, I, I think if, if you can do, do several 30, 40, 50-mile runs, uh, you'll, you'll have a good sense of, of being able to do it. Um, this next year, I'm planning to do it with my dad. Um, when I did it in 2015, he followed the race and got real excited, and I and I suggested that him and I do it together in a canoe. And the plan is is we're our training plan this year is just to do a bunch of runs together, um, which are fun. They're sort of uh, easy meanders at some level, but just to be on the water for that long period of time to get familiar with it. That that's my main advice. Okay, good, Victor. Anything for the support teams? Uh, well. I think I'm going to be looking at maps a little more closely than I did the first time because there, <laughs> there were places where it was very easy to get lost. And also, there were a couple of places where the rural road needed to get to the river were simply closed due to construction or something else. And so I spent a fair amount of that extra time that I could have spent sleeping just driving around detours and backtracking <laughs> and things like that. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think I'll find out a little more about the road conditions this time. <laughs> That's what's great about this race, too, is the, the best laid plans are going to change. There's something that's always going to happen, it looks like. That's, that's for not. sure. You know, I, I, I want to say something else about the social aspect of the race. I mean, you're going down the river with uh, 300 other boats. Um, it, it's quite a friendly group to, to be... You know, so a lot of the time you're spent paddling with other people, talking with other people, getting to know other people, um, and it's really a nice aspect of, of the race. Well, wow, that is yep, just yep. great, gentlemen. I'm so just super excited to talk with you over the radio. We have paddled so much together in so many different places, and uh, you just you guys reach out to that paddling community out there, and I know you're trying to get a lot of things started out there. 
And uh, man, you know, you guys are a, a couple of great math professors there in uh, in St. Louis area. Talk about your your school there in the math department, and uh, just give us a little plug, and then you know we'll let you go. So we're we're both at, in the math department at Washington University. We're actually right across the hall from each other, and um, and and it's great. We, yeah, that's great. I know you we you've organized. been. Yeah, we have organized paddle trips uh, with other members of the department, uh, mostly the younger ones and those that have kids. And we can usually get a good group together in the summer. Uh, we did a paddle with, I think, a total of 11 people, including a bunch of graduate students uh, and some of the younger faculty. Uh, just canoes and paddle boards and kayaks and so on. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, Missouri is very good for this because it has lots of mild-mannered streams that are fairly close to this population zone. Uh, we can go out, get everybody on the river, uh, have uh, everybody have a good time, and sort of spread the word. Well, that's great. Well, I so appreciate you guys' time today, and thank you so much for this information on the MR340. Real incredible race. And uh, I believe you if you do a Google search, it's MR340, and you'll find the MR340 and several other races. And uh, really incredible race. I reckon we Thank recommend you, it highly. All right. Well, thanks, gentlemen. And that is it. That's the end. Uh, Stand Up Paddle the World Radio. I'm Daryl Kirk, and you've been listening to our guests, Blake Thornton and Victor Wickerhausen. And I uh, hope to hear you hear you again from next week. We'll get back on with you guys in the future about some other things you're paddling exploits there. But uh, that's it for now. Stay up and stay on that board, and thank you. Thank you.